0: This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: At Gallant Says on Twitter. Texting to the show at 710 710.
2: Oh, hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Wednesday, April 28th of 2021. I had to check the year for a second for some reason. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world. Here is your question of the day. Before I go off on a little bit of a tangent, with the 23rd pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks selected Jamal Adams. With the 86th pick of the 2021 NFL Draft, the Seattle Seahawks also selected Jamal Adams. Can you imagine how that would be? Imagine the same team drafts the same player twice in the same draft. The only organization that I could imagine doing that would be the Cincinnati Bengals because they're so cheap and they try to like say, you know, actually we don't really want to pay this draft pick any money. Anywho, here's the question. We can all agree Adams is a good player. Some of us would say that he's a great player. What do we need to see more of him, more of him doing in 2021 to make up for the fact that the Seahawks are not going to be able to add to themselves in the first round or the third round and only have three picks largely because of the Jamal Adams trade? You need more out of him. But before we dive into what I want to see specifically out of him next year, I got to talk about the Mariners last night, and I know that every single day I sound so overreactive with the Mariners. And I'll admit it, baseball, it's like my third favorite sport. And there are times where I know that I am reacting to one out of 162 baseball games the same way that I react to a football game. But last night I got mad. I realize I am being impatient and unfair to the baseball operations of the Seattle Mariners by being mad. But that lineup had two hits last night and they lost 2 nothing in a game where their starting pitching did what it needed to do, and its bullpen did what it needed to do. If you only give up two runs, you should have a chance to win the game. They only got two hits, and they were both by like Kyle Seager. And, I mean, the top of this order, there is so much pressure on Mitch Hanniger and on Ty France and on Kyle Lewis and on Kyle Seager to deliver. After that, I don't trust any of those guys after the fact. And I get it. Some of these guys, they are going to take time to develop. You hope that Taylor Trammell is going to be able to develop into a competent player. You hope that Evan White's going to be able to figure things out at the plate. But it's hard for me, even with this team in the midst of a rebuild, to feel good about the approach this year because they didn't sign any veterans to play in any of the positions in the infield, in the outfield. They they decided that they were going to roll with a lot of what they had last year. To expect Dylan Moore to continue what he did last season was probably naive, but he did play well last year. I know that the Mariners are not anywhere close to where they were in 2018, where they thought they were an actual contender, but at the very least, they were a plus baseball team. I know that also 2019 happened, and you don't want to get too crazy when a team gets off to a really good start. But... This lineup is making me want to rush Jared Kalnick. It's making me look at highlights of Noel V. Marte, who hit two home runs, I guess, yesterday in the alternate training site. And it makes me think that I want to see him right now, even with J.P. Crawford not being terrible thus far this year. There are legitimate bright spots on this team, but they cannot go into next year. And I know I'm already talking about next year without adding some sort of veterans in the lineup. They can't. Going into this year and, and hoping that your smorgasbord of young players was going to give you more runs at the plate, like I understand it, it is a rebuilding year. But I think that both Jerry Depoto and Scott Service wanted more on this roster this season. Kevin Mather got in the way. Mariners brass better not get in the way next year. They better not because these guys, I I, I feel like they can't just be looking at things from the penny pinching ways that you traditionally see a baseball team go through in the midst of a rebuild. What's it really going to cost you to bring in some sort of veteran like a Colton Wong or something like that to a one- or two-year deal? Not much. So next year, despite my frustration, despite all my rage, just being a man in a cage watching a baseball game, I can accept the fact that this year is this year. But next year, no excuses saying that on April 28th of 2021. We're already talking about 2022, Paul. Text in 710710. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington. Nay, the world. Paul Galan telling us how the Mariners should do it after being in Seattle for five minutes. No, thank you. Changing the channel. I'm not the only one. Oh, well, thank you very much. Well, I'm sorry that I'm, you know, looking at things from the perspective of somebody who's actually watched a good baseball team in the last 20 years. I hate to be mean like that, but if you're going to be mean, boo, 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 I'm going to shoot back. I have to. My question for you today, though, has to do with the NFL draft, you know, because if we get frustrated every single night after a Mariners loss to nothing, we're going to be frustrated all season long. And they have been fun. They have been frisky and they are a plus 500 team right now. So I want to shift to the NFL draft. Since the Seattle Seahawks were not tricking, not (laughs) they're not going to be drafting in the first round tomorrow, they're not going to be drafting in the third round tomorrow. There is going to be a void on the roster going into this coming season. I mean, really, what your roster is right now is largely going to be all the main contributors, I think, for the 2021 campaign. I like Jamal Adams a lot. I think he is a good-to-great player. I feel like they know that he is great at blitzing. They have to find other things that he is great at. And he has to become great at other things, too. So here are the things that I want him to be better at this coming season. And things that I'm hoping he is actively working on this offseason. And you know what? I'm sure he is. Strikes me as a very hard worker. He's great as a pass rusher, but you can't rely on him blitzing as much as the Seahawks did last year to create pressure. You can't. What you need is a guy that is going to be an absolute menace all over the football field in pursuit specifically, like a really, really fast linebacker, and we have seen it. I mean, some of the angles that this guy has taken, bursting into the backfield and then doing a little loop Upfield and tackling guys at the one yard line. I think that happened against the Los Angeles Rams in the sixteenth uh, game of the excuse me the fifteenth game of the season for the Seahawks. You know the division clincher where he has that unbelievable just bolting through the bolting through the line of scrimmage and tracking a guy down on the right sideline at the one yard line. You know he can do that, but you need playmaking from him. And while I don't think he's ever going to develop into a guy who is going to take the football away when it's thrown. I mean, he's got some issues bringing the ball in. I think I trust K.J. Wright to catch a football more than I trust Jamal Adams to. He only has two career interceptions. He had a couple of drops last season. I want Jamal Adams to be better at forcing fumbles. Adams has seven forced fumbles over the course of his career. He only had one forced fumble last year. I believe it was that strip sack of Jared Goff in the first Seahawks-Rams game. That is something that I hope that he is better at this season. And look, Ed is a skill. Remember Charles Tillman from the Chicago Bears, Peanut Tillman? He was so good at knocking the football out of wide receivers' hands, running backs' hands. I want Jamal Adams to develop that as part of his game because the Seahawks need to create more takeaways, and I think that that is the guy that has the most potential to do that on your team. It's not Bobby Wagner anymore, but he is going to have to add certain, I think, skill sets to his game and able to do that. But what do you want to see differently from Jamal Adams this coming season? 710 7-10, 7-10 is how you text in. You could tweet me at Gallant says, text in. Don't be surprised if the Hawks trade Jamal for picks. I would be surprised by that. It wouldn't make any sense. You did give up a lot to get Jamal Adams, but in getting Jamal Adams, you have the linchpin of your defense going forward. Not perhaps in a traditional way that you would look at a safety. Because he's not exactly the best cover guy, as we saw with him trying to cover Julian Edelman in Week 2 last year, with him getting mm, shaken by Stephon Diggs. But that's not his forte. But you've got to find other strengths, and the Seahawks have to find ways to maximize it. And it can't be just blitzing, which he is good at. And I'm not saying don't do it anymore, but you're going to have to minimize it a little bit, especially when you go up against good teams with quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers who can actually see these things coming. When you're going up against the Dwayne Haskins and Jared Goffs and the banged-up Kyler Murrays and the Colt McCoys of the world down the stretch, you know, those blitzes are going to be a little more effective. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, 710-710. Text in. You can tweet in at Gallant Says. It ten twelve. It's time for What's Trending with Maura Dooley. Maura, what's going on?
3: Oh, you know, just living the dream, getting ready for the draft. Are you excited even though we won't see any picks for the Seahawks tomorrow?
2: I am excited for the draft, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that when I was trapped in Houston covering the god-awful Texans, that I had to basically do this thing every single day during the first round of the NFL Draft, where I run around and like ask random people questions. And it wasn't fun to me, because I wanted to watch the first round of the NFL Draft. So last year was the first time that I was ever able to just sit down and watch the NFL Draft. Unfortunately, it was kind of boring, because everything was taking place via Zoom, and It just didn't have the same feel that it had in years past. And also, it was supposed to take place in Las Vegas, and we were going to see dudes go up to the podium where Roger Goodell was, which was going to be in the midst of the Bellagio Fountain. And there were going to be boats going up to the Bellagio Fountain middle, and then they were going to get off and then do the awkward hug with Roger Goodell. But that lead up to it, I mean, that's awesome. And I mean, what if there were some malfunctions along the way? That would have been kind of funny, although probably dark. I kind
3: of like seeing everyone's houses, though. Like, yeah. three of them stuff like Harbaugh had some weird birdhouse collection in the room he was in. It's
2: very John John <laughs> Harbaugh. It seems that, that he would definitely have something like that. It's a fair point, but it, it didn't it get old after a little bit? Maybe. And there's also an element of the live crowd there, it, it's great. Yeah. And Cleveland is one of those fan bases that, even though I would not want to go to Cleveland for the draft— Cleveland is one of those fan bases that cares enough to get angry about things. Yeah. So if there are any Pittsburgh Steelers or Baltimore Ravens that are introducing picks in the second and the third round, I really hope that they go full Drew Pearson, like <laughs> Drew Pearson did against the Philadelphia Eagles a couple of seasons ago, where he just completely trolled them when the draft was in Philadelphia. I the want to see something like that. Fan base
3: well-versed in booing.
2: Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, poor guys. <laughs> poor Cleveland.
3: All right, well, let's get into what's trending. Uh, first up, George Kittle. George Kittle. San Francisco 49ers tight end told the stacking the box podcast, an interesting story about his draft
4: day. But really, I think really the only thing that was quirky that happened to me was my agent called me and he was, cause before the draft, he's like, you're going to be anywhere. My guess is if a team snags in the second, you'd be super lucky. My guess is late third, uh, all the way to the sixth round. And I was like, all right, that's fine with me. Like, no worries. So you know, like that third round is on that, I think it was a Friday night. So I watched all of that, no chance. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm just going to go to bed, not knowing if I'm going to get drafted. And uh, the next day, I remember it was probably like a minute before the Niners called me. Um, my agent says, hey, the Seahawks here called me. They, they said they're trading up to get you. And then literally, I'm on the phone with him, my agent. And um, he was on my dad's phone. And then I got a call from the Bay Area. And I was like, hey, I'm getting a call from the Bay. He's like, hang up on me and answer that. And I was like, all right, sick. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm talking to you know John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan saying that they're drafting me. And they're excited to work with me. I was like, I'm excited to be there. Let's roll.
3: (sighs) That's a bummer.
2: I mean, the NFL draft is full of what ifs. And, I mean, I imagine there are a lot of teams right now that look at the Seattle Seahawks and think, oh, we could have had Russell Wilson. So, at the very least, you have one of the best in the NFL right now as far as teams that probably thought that they were going to be able to select a guy. But they didn't. And they had two rounds to do it. But, when you consider who the Seahawks took instead in the 2017 NFL Draft—Tedrick Thompson, Amara Darbo, uh, Mike uh, Tyson—but not that Mike Tyson—as well,
3: none of whom are on the roster anymore.
2: Yeah, Mora, it's it stinks. And and this of all the tight ends that the Seahawks have tried to put in there that have not really worked out. This is this is the guy that they wanted. This is the guy that they wanted—the guy who wa- who loves to block and hurt people, run through contact. I mean, this is the epitome of a tough guy at tight end. Not as finesse as Travis Kelsey, who was a great tight end, but a little finesse.
3: Nothing wrong with that. All right, we we had to squeeze this one in, of course, so you can um, feed your Yankees hate.
1: Mm.
3: (laughs) Yankees manager Aaron Boone was ejected in the eighth inning of their game against the Orioles Monday for trying to argue a call. He was asked about it after the game and this is what happened
5: Aaron just to, again it looked like Gibson was pointing
2: in the dugout saying stay in don't come out is that accurate He was basically saying don't even come out and try to discuss challenging this because yeah, you can't it, and you're it, out of here
5: it was it was too quick and it was you know I just felt like it was kind of bullying frankly
2: god i hate the yankees i hate their fan base i hate everything about them the entitlement just listen to the entitlement of that guy your team is terrible you don't get to argue you don't get to argue you are not doing anything to help that yankee team out that should be by all accounts take a look at all the baseball experts who are predicting what would happen this coming season we're saying that this team is going to be the best one in baseball and then you take a look at the standings and oh where are the new york yankees well guess what they're tied for last place in the American League East now. So that's cute with the Baltimore Orioles. What is their payroll? Dwarf them by about $200 million. The Yankees and the Dodgers are the two biggest crybabies in sports right now. I saw this column yesterday by Bill Plaschke that had to do with Fernando Tatis stealing signs against the Los Angeles Dodgers. And he got ratioed online when he posted this, this headline. And the headline was was embarrassing the headline read dodgers get cheated again this time by sign stealing fernando tatis jr okay first off if he's actually like looking behind him and he sees the signs is he really stealing stealing the signs or are you just terrible about hiding what the signs actually are second no one cares the dodgers you won the world series stop acting like the world is out to get you the same thing with the yankees who are consistently pointing to the fact that like oh well the astros cheated they didn't They aren't the Tampa Bay Rays who beat you last year, despite having like $5. That's their payroll, $5, give or take. And they still beat you. Anyway, so uh, Weiner sports team's power rankings right now. Number one, New York Yankees. Number two, Los Angeles Dodgers. uh, Both of them overtaking number three, the New Orleans Saints, who haven't been cheated by the NFL in a little bit or sued the NFL and subpoenaed Roger Goodell to Louisiana in about like a year at least. So there you go. That's what's trending with Moradoula, everybody. 206 421 is how you call in. You can text in to 710-710. You can tweet me as well. At Gallant says, my question for you, what does Jamal Adams need to do this season? Because there's more pressure on him this year, given that he is the Seahawks' first and third-round draft pick in the 2021 NFL Draft. You get to answer that. It's time
0: to be heard. Your voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be
2: heard. 206-421-3776 is how you call in. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, and the world. And by the way, What's Trending is brought to you by King's Heating and Air. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. Text in says... And that Kittle clip hurts. Yes, it does. But look, you can't beat yourself up too much over draft picks that the Seahawks missed out on. Because every single team is doing this every single year. The draft is a very inexact process. And also, don't beat up the Seahawks for missing it. I mean, teams miss draft picks. I'm a little bit more forgiving these days when it comes to teams and the draft picks that they whiff on. Because I think for the most part, most teams are not very good at drafting. Most general managers will have one, two, three draft classes that they can look back at on and say, Wow, that was great over the course of their careers. And I'm talking about good general managers. There are some Hall of Fame general managers that can look at it themselves in the mirror and say, look at what I did this year and this year and that year and this year. But it is, for the most part, a crapshoot. 32 different teams with all sorts of information that they have now and all sorts of different strategies, and those strategies are brought from one team to the next to the next. It is a really difficult process, an inexact science. So don't beat yourself up. And don't beat the Seahawks up too much for not getting George Kittle. I do sound like a company man there, right there. Text in 710-710. What was the Seahawks' run defense versus pass defense stats last year? All right, a bit of a vague question and something that could probably be done via the old Google machine. Here's what I remember last. The Seahawks' run defense did not do what it needed to do against the Los Angeles Rams, who had John Walford and Jared Goff under center in a game. Still, Cam Akers made big runs when he needed to. And with Colt McCoy under center against Wayne Gallman and the New York Giants. So two backups, the Seahawks got run all over. To me, that means that they need to be better against the run. The past defensive statistics in the first half of last year were historically bad. They were not that down the stretch. Both sides of that defense do need improvement. And I know that for Russell Wilson. He's probably looking at uh, the weapons that he has around him and the struggles that the offense had down the stretch, and he thinks that the Seahawks should probably prioritize their offense, but mm, I don't know. I, I think you got to take a look at the defense. Two callers going weigh in on the Mariners lineup, which only had two hits last night. Let's go to Sean in Centralia. Sean, bleh, Sean in Centralia. Sean, what's up, buddy?
1: Well, Paul, I don't want to sound negative because it's too soon to be negative, but one of the things I was going to say is with that 60-game season last year, we didn't really get a good read on the guys coming back. Meaning, you know, Lewis—he was starting to fade in the second part of the sixth.
2: He was. Season.
1: And you got guys like Dylan Moore, who's never played a complete season as a major leaguer. Tom Murphy did not play the whole year. I mean, we just don't know what we have. And and I I have you know I heard Service say yesterday that he has no problem with what's going on. His confidence level is high, that the hitting's coming around. But based on what? I mean, we just don't know. Yeah. 60, yeah, I, you follow sports long enough. Guys will start off super hot early in a season, early in their career, and then fade. Or vice versa, they'll start off horribly, and you'll think, oh, my God, this guy's never going to
4: be anything, and
1: they turn it around. So I don't. Really feel comfortable saying one way or the other what we really have.
2: I understand that, Sean. A great call, and yeah, I mean, right now you're hoping that your young players improve. That's 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 all you're going off of right now. So that's Taylor Trammell, and that's that's Evan White. Elliot's in Bellevue. Elliot, what's going on?
5: Hey, what's up, Paul? How you doing?
2: Doing well, Elliot. I appreciate your short man,
5: I listen like every day kind from of like nine nine to eleven, I'll be hearing you every day, man. Huzzah. I
2: nice. appreciate that.
5: So I was trying to talk about we something we said earlier about like what you're looking forward to next season and I like I got this interesting documentary on two thousands Mariners and it's really interesting to see like within the past years, how close they've really, really been. Like, the past years meaning, like, decades or whatever or so, right? Mm-hmm. And they never wanted to spend money. They'd never signed anybody big in free agency, two thousand two, 2003, all these years. And, you know, Howard Lincoln is quoted of saying, Mariners' goal as an organization is not to win the World Series. Oh, yeah. You know, he this guy literally said that. Like, so do, do you really even think, the, next year, do you see Mariners signing anyone big in free agency? Like, look online. Look at this class. The short stops, the second baseman. There's some players. Like, I don't even know if I have the confidence to see us really signing someone, you know, besides yeah. what Robinson Canoes, that's an
2: example. Elliot, you're depressing me, but those are some good points too. I mean, that Howard Lincoln quote, I was, I was reading out of left field, the Art Thiel book about the 95 Mariners and also just the Mariners after that, going up to probably the 2003 season. And honestly, you read that book and that's pretty much the entire history of the Mariners success. It's funny. I mean, that book's, book's almost 20 years old now. And Howard Lincoln does have that line in there in your and and you could it's somewhat taken out of context, but at the same time, th- they're basically saying we're going to stay true to their process. Well, the process did not work then. I wish I had the answer to that, Elliot. I, I, I think the hope is that when you have some of these young players that are finally coming up, whether it's Jared Kelnick or Logan Gilbert, that the team will just be better because of their presence and that they will be a more attractive destination to some free agents. But... You know, when you hear that the Mariners are in on some of these free agent discussions, at least in the past years, I, I just wonder how in they were, given what Elliot just said. Now, my big hope is that the Mariners actually might have had a small victory and massive victory in what just took place this offseason. Because Kevin Mather opening his mouth seems like it has created more of a separation between baseball executive operations and the baseball baseball operations of the Seattle Mariners. The baseball baseball. That's repetitive. But whatever the case, I feel like now there might be some separation there. And maybe they'll be allowed to pay some of that money that they have to work with. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show. Up next in the Sports Pit, it's Michael Bumpus. Text in 710-710 if you have got a question for the one and only bump of our beloved Cougs. And he's going to answer the question of what Jamal Adams needs to do better this season to basically... Make up for the fact that the Seahawks don't have a first or third round pick?
0: It's 10.30, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down,
1: and if you don't have some freaking
0: toughness, you're gonna get your, you're going your fail. With Paul Gallant. And
2: joining me right now in the sports pit is the one and only Michael Bumpus. Bump,
0: what's going on, buddy? Gallant, what's going on, man? How you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I like that we're doing some two-a-day action
0: right now. Yeah.
2: How many two-a-days did you go through over the course of your football playing career?
0: You know, when I was in high school, we used to do two-a-days for, like, two weeks. And I think we're, like, the last generation to do that. When I got to college, we did it for, like, three or four days. In the NFL, you get, like, one day or something like that. Uh, yeah, harder in, co- in in high school, for sure.
2: Wait, people in high school don't do them anymore?
0: Nah, not like that, man. You know, football, it's a it's a different game now, Paul. I think you're only allowed, like, two or three, at least in California right now, And the state of Washington, I know for sure you're allowed three two days. Oh
2: man, that's yeah. that's that's something else, yeah. Because listen, I played high school football. I just remember the first day of two days. I always puked, and uh, that was that was that was <laughs> never any fun. All right, bump. Uh, the, the the big question of the show today: the Seahawks, of course, they traded the twenty third pick in this year's draft, and what's going to be the eighty sixth pick in this year's draft, in addition to a first round pick next year for Jamal Adams, Jamal. I think had a good to great season last year, and you know it, we don't know what would have happened in that wild card game against the Rams if he wasn't injured. I do think that the result could have been somewhat different because he was in position to make a lot of plays, but wasn't 100%. What do you think Adams needs to do better next season to, I guess, make up for the fact that the Seahawks are going to be able to take two less players in this coming draft?
0: Man, you look at his game, right, and you you can point your finger to what everyone says about him is being better in pass coverage when the football is in the air attacking the football and people like to lean on that Rams game where he didn't make a play on the sideline. And let me remind you, he had his pretty much his, his arm like sewn to his hip because yeah. he couldn't raise his arm. So, labrum. Yeah. And that's, that's the easy route to go. I think he can, he can get better in the pass game. I don't think he's horrible. I, he can probably get better there, but The main thing is just to be available. You know, there were times where he just wasn't available. He was injured. He was banged up. This is football. That's going to happen. But can you imagine if he was available for all the games this year? The records he's already set as a DB, the intensity he brought to this defense, if he could have done that for 16, 18, 19 weeks consistently, maybe this team takes another step. Maybe they win a ball game that they weren't supposed to win. So yeah, he can get better in pass coverage, but the Hawks don't pay him to do that. Get after the quarterback, cause havoc in the box, and just be healthy. I think what's great about Adams
2: going into next year is that they have a better feel for what he does best and what he doesn't do best. And I think Putting him in isolation and coverage is something that they do not want to see happen again. I think you got to know a player's limitations, but I mean, we we know that this guy uh, as a blitzer, as you mentioned, you know, nine and a half sacks, and also just in that in that first seven yards of of, of a defense and in the middle of the field, he's terrifying. And I, I just keep thinking about those two plays: the one that he had on Cam Newton, and the one that he had of. I think it was Cam Akers on the right sideline where yeah. he blasts through the line of scrimmage and he somehow, despite going full speed, is able to turn at a radius where he's able to catch up to both of those guys before they run in for a touchdown. What I'm what I'm hoping he does more of bump and and I don't know if this is an easily an easy to pick up skill over the course of one's career, but I want to see him better at forcing fumbles. Okay, I, I don't know if that's too much to ask or if that's such a niche skill that it's not niche skill that you're you're, you're not exactly you know, prioritizing something like that. But I just keep on thinking of a guy, about a guy like Charles Peanut Tillman and how good he was at that. And, you know, if, if Adams can create more plays like that over the middle of the field, he can have the kind of impact that maybe he's just not capable of in the passing
0: game. Yeah, that's a good point. I can see that. I, do you remember the days, I want to say it's Legion of Boom days, where you could see those guys going for the fumble, right? They're trying to punch the football. ball. It's almost like they're going to punch the football out before the tackle and they caused a lot of turnovers. I like that, Paul. I think if, if he can add that to his game, then it, it kind of um, it helps him out in other areas. I'm good with that. I just know or I feel like with this second year with the Seahawks, you're right they know how to use them they're going to move them in places they're going to disguise them they might make it look like man you're going to be able, able to attack him but he's going to come off a blitz it's just like they're just scratching the surface i feel like and it's crazy they're scratching the surface and this guy had like an all pro type year um let's see what he does but yeah causing fumbles getting the ball out the air man complete safety
2: michael is with me in the sports pit if you're the 49ers you wanted to you would want to draft the, uh, you would want, you would want to draft Justin Fields, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I know you, you, you think very highly of Justin Fields. I, if, if you're one of these teams that's looking for a quarterback in this year's draft and, and going into the NFL in 2021, what's, what's the biggest trait that you're looking for? I, I do think that all of these guys need to have some sort of mobility and even Mac Jones does have some degree of that, but you know, as a guy who has coached, as a guy who has played quarterback before, and as a guy who has caught passes, what would you want out of your quarterback?
0: Um, You know, a a few things. Uh, Leadership is huge. What's he like off the field? What is he like in the huddle? What is he like at practice? And then decision-making, because that's pretty much what it comes down to when it comes to quarterbacks. Every quarterback in the NFL has an arm. and can throw that thing. Now, can you make the right decisions and execute under a lot of pressure when you don't have – um, that five-star recruit, the, you don't have the best receiving core in the league. You don't have the best offensive line. You know, and can you lead in those situations, and can you make good decisions under pressure? I don't know what they do to these quarterbacks during the interview process to see how they do under pressure. We talked about it. Um, was the 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 new court? I mean, excuse me, the new head coach from Philadelphia played rock paper scissors. Nick Sirianni, yeah, Sirianni. See, to see how <laughs> competitive they are. You know, there there are things you got to find out, but. Good under pressure, great decision-making. What's he like as a leader? All right, Bump, it's time for the listener
2: question of the day. And you are out of the Palouse. You, you watched our beloved Cougs in spring football action. What's the current state of Washington State football? It's Rolo's second year. It's a normal year as opposed to last season. Uh, Jaden Dolores suspended the first four games of the uh, – excuse me. He's suspended indefinitely by the Cougs after starting the four games after a DUI arrest. What's the state of the Cougs right now as far as that football program goes?
0: Uh, man, it's it's interesting right now. You got a quarterback battle. You mentioned Delora with his issues. You got Garantano from Tennessee who came in uh, when I was there last weekend. Alex, uh, excuse me, Victor Caballos looked the best, and he's a walk on quarterback. So you have a quarterback situation. You're going to see who's what's going to happen there. You still have a uh, Cameron Cooper as well. And then at the receiver spots, you uh, you have Travel Harris, who's a good slot uh, receiver. You're looking for an outside guy. Maybe that's CJ Moore. Um, it looks like there's a lot of potential, but they're still trying to figure each other out, right? Last season, they played, what, four or five games. I mean, it was rushed. They didn't have a spring practice. They missed out on a lot of reps. So – um I would say there's potential. I think they're a middle-of-the-pack team right now. Uh, but if they can get a couple guys to kind of exceed expectations and get that defense going, I think they can finish the top five or, or four in the pack. It's, it's just hard to tell right now because we just don't get the five stars. We don't just have talent right now, and there's no denying this kid. You kind of got to develop and scheme for the personnel you have.
2: Michael Bumpuses don't grow on trees, but
0: that, that that is the five star that they need.
2: They need to find the next Michael Bumpus. But Bump, always appreciate you Joining me. Looking forward to watching the NFL draft tomorrow and talking about it with you on Friday on Danny and Gallant. All right, Gallant, man. Have a good one. That is the one and only. Michael Bumpus, our beloved coup, right here at 710 ESPN Seattle. Okay, guys, you heard from Bump there as far as things that Jamal Adams could be better at. What, What do you think? What does Jamal Adams need to be better at in 2021? And what are they missing out on the Seahawks in not having a first-round pick and not having a third-round pick? We'll discuss all of that with you. 206-421-3776-710-710 to text in. Tweet me at Galant says on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington, nay the world, the Paul Gallant Show.
0: You're listening to Paul Gallant.
3: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio.
0: Every day at 10 on 710
2: ESPN Seattle. Seattle. It was not all a dream the Seahawks don't have a first-round pick or a third-round pick. They did trade two first-round picks and a third for Jamal Adams, which is a lot. He's a safety. But he's a good player, if not a great player. He's just going to need to give you more this coming season. A texter correctly points out seven ten seven ten on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay the world, for Jamal Adams' trade reference. Jordan Brooks is a first-round pick. LJ Collier is a first-round pick. Cody Barton's a third-round pick. That's about the best combination they've had with those picks. Would you trade Adams for that trio? No, I wouldn't. I would would definitely keep Adams if I were going to get those. And I like Jordan Brooks a lot, but we still need to see what Jordan Brooks is going to do if he's an every-down player. I think we will end up seeing that this year. Cody Barton's a special teamer at this point, best-case scenario. We haven't really seen a whole lot of him at linebacker. I actually liked what he did at the end of 2019.
3: I I keep hearing they might give him more of a shot at Sam this year.
2: Interesting. Well,
3: I feel like they. Bob Condotta was saying they feel like they haven't seen enough of him to know if he can contribute more consistently and if KJ's not back. Mm, we may see more of him than just special teams.
2: I would like KJ Wright in that spot. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I, I I don't think, you know, Cody Barton... I don't think he's a bad player by any means. It just feels like that that wouldn't be the spot to put him, strong side linebacker. There's been a lot of talk about it. I mean, I, I even saw someone out there say, well, oh, Daryl, Daryl Taylor, maybe they move him there. And I mean, you know, I guess Bruce Irving kind of played in that sort of hybrid Sam and um, defensive end role. I'm i i am I'm, I'm not 100% sure what they're going to do at that spot. But what I do know is that if you take a look at the exchange, what you got in Jamal Adams is your future Bobby Wagner. I mean, he's going to be the linchpin and the leader of your defense probably for the next five years. And when Bobby Wagner, I imagine either his play is not what it once was, I I, I do think that we're getting to the point where he will be on the downslope of his career. Adams is going to be the guy that's your number one on defense going forward. But in the meantime, you do need more out of him next year. I'd like to see the Seahawks better at hiding the way Jamal Adams blitzes and disguising things. There's this play that a lot of people have pointed to against the Buffalo Bills. It's not Jamal Adams in coverage against Stephon Diggs. It's the screen pass that the Bills had, and I think they got to the one-yard line or something like that. They saw Jamal Adams, and it was just blindingly obvious that he was going to blitz. And they checked into a screen play, and next thing you know, the Bills are on the one-yard line. The Bills did a really good job of dissecting Seattle's defense, and I know that Pete Carroll talks about how it's complex in its intricate simplicity, but there needs to be, I think, some better disguising going on with that defense. Maybe that's easier said than done. I am, again, a layman talking about the NFL right now. I am not somebody that is you know, in these meeting rooms, and maybe that is actually something that's being told, but I do feel like whenever Jamal Adams blitzes, and he's very successful when he does it, the tell is just so obvious, and they have to find a way to make it less obvious on that front. Text in 710-710. You can call in as well. 206-421-3776. Breaking news in the NFL. Tom Pelosero is reporting the Carolina Panthers are trading Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos for a sixth-round pick. So I wonder if that takes the Broncos out of the conversation for drafting a quarterback in the top ten. Not great for someone named Justin Fields who or whoever is the fifth of those Five quarterbacks. I'm not going to act like I know one of these quarterbacks is going to be better than the other, and I'd even put Trevor Lawrence in that conversation, but it is weird that Justin Fields is now at the back of that list. And Trey Lance has vaulted. The, The Zach Wilson one, Zach Wilson's the guy that you see every single year who, after the season's done, all of a sudden just starts vaulting up draft boards. And you're like, what? Huh? What am I missing here? It's like the Blaine Gabbard effect. And look, it's not... Not as if Zach Wilson doesn't have skill. I mean he's he's very mobile. I think it's weird that he's not a captain at BYU and he's a quarterback. Maybe I'm thinking too much about it. Also, it's just a different school there. I imagine he's younger than a lot of people that are at BYU, and this is this is me speaking somewhat ignorantly, but I, I, I do think that generally <laughs> there are a lot of older BYU players because of the missions and, and, and things of that nature. Um Teddy Bridgewater to the Broncos. Bridgewater it's a bummer the way his career has panned out. I feel like he is a poor man's Andy Dalton at this phase of his career. And that a competition between he and Drew Locke, that's not really a good one. That's not an ideal one if you're the Denver Broncos. Uh, 710710 is how you text in. You can tweet me at Gallant says 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Some, some answers as to what Jamal Adams needs to be better at next year. Focus on his past coverage skills. I guess... I, There's a certain point where you are what you are, and I think Adams might be what he is in pass coverage, a guy who, as another texter says, can cover tight ends. Cam Chancellor was great at that, continues this texter, and our defense was much better because of it. Thank you. This is a random text. Can we get Julio Jones with our 56th pick and Trey Flowers? Whenever you're throwing in a guy that's an afterthought in a trade, that guy's not a palatable option for that team. That's a trade that you make in Madden. That's not a trade that you make in real life. 56 pick, though, for Julio Jones. They're in cap hell right now, the Falcons. They need to free up cap space, and it would be a post-June 1st trade because that means that they can space the money out of Jones's contract over a couple of seasons. But I do think that a second-round pick could acquire him. Corey and Piala calling in before we wrap things up. He wants my thoughts on the Seahawks draft. Corey, what's going on, man? How you guys doing? Doing well. Um, On the draft, you know, I think I'm kind of thinking Seattle,
1: obviously, are probably going to trade back, try to get more picks. Um, Personally, I like that center from that small school that was in uh, the Reese's Bowl, Senior Bowl. I forget his name, but that guy really impressed me. I hope maybe kind of sign him, and um, hopefully we can draft a cornerback and maybe one more um, linebacker as well.
2: You probably have to go linebacker just because of your depth. And I appreciate the phone yeah. call, Corey, uh, before we wrap things up here. Uh, the, the center from uh, small school. Maura, one more time. Could you give that to me? Maura's way more on top of
3: this. I thing. believe that was Quinn Miners from our draft dating profile, the Wisconsin Whitewater guy. Oh, Wisconsin Whitewater guy.
2: Yeah. I think I, Did I pick him? Did I want him? I think so. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin Whitewater. For, so from a smaller school, look, who they get at that point? Total crapshoot. So I feel like if you're the Seahawks, get as many picks as you possibly can, and if you can get a bunch of picks in the third round, that would be great with that second-round pick that you have. This is one of those years where either you're going to get a veteran with that second-round pick as far as an immediate impact this coming season, and I don't think the Seahawks are going to trade another draft pick for a veteran, especially a second-round pick. Right now, you're 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 basically playing penny slots right now, and you're hoping that you find somebody. So get as many picks as you possibly can. I think more swings the better. On Paul Galant this was the Paul Gallant show. Big thanks to our callers who called in, whether it about it's about the struggles by the Mariners bats or what you need to see out of Jamal Adams this coming season to Michael Bumpus who stopped by. Texters, callers, tweeters. And of course, the one and only Mora Dooley who makes this thing happen every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. There will be no Paul Gallant show tomorrow because we have Mariners baseball. But coming up next, it is the Jake and Stacy show. So long, farewell, and have yourselves a wonderful Wednesday.